a copy from? Sure.
Good morning. We're so glad that you're here this morning. I'm going to ask that you stand and turn your attention to the screens. The song that we're going to sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, well known. We have a little bridge part that we're going to throw in there for you. But I want you to learn that before we go any further, just so that you're not broadsided. So it sounds like a mighty fortress, a mighty fortress is our God. Then you do that again. A mighty fortress, a mighty fortress is our God. Simple enough? Nod your heads yes. Okay, good. So, we'll take it from the beginning, A Mighty Fortress.
all of God's children said. Amen. Amen. Well, we'd like for you to just take a really quick moment and welcome one another here. If you would do that now. In case you didn't notice, happy Father's Day. We are so glad you're here, and we would love to connect with you. Um, we have many different ways to do that. We can do that in person out here at the welcome desk. Also, sometimes there's a QR code up there. You could scan that, and it will bring you a menu of items. Also, there it is right there. There's a QR code. You can scan that, and it will give you a menu of items, including your digital bulletin, how to give, the events that are going on for the week. And also you can text um, CONNECT to 904-441-6900. That will get you everything that you need to know about what's happening this week. But so let's talk a little bit about what's happened in the last few weeks. Um, you know, last week we had 21 people baptized into the kingdom. And then also next week, we had a really big milestone in our uh, next-gen building. We actually poured the first floor, so that's completed now. So we have the first and second floor poured. We're working towards the third. Also, we surpassed $6.1 million in giving towards the next-gen building. And um, if you would like to take a tour of those buildings, you can um, go to that um, Connect app, and you can make a reservation to do that, or you can go to the desk 
and someone will make arrangements for you to take a tour of the buildings. We're only doing tours on Sundays because that's when they're not doing construction. So in between services, we are doing some tours of the buildings, and you can see just how ginormous they are. It's amazing. Also on, uh, also on uh, the 4th of July, you know, we have the um, city of St. Augustine has the fireworks, and we have a shuttle that runs from here down to the foot of the bridge for the uh, fireworks. And what we do is we, um, we greet those people who are going to take the shuttles downtown and we give them a bottle of water. So if anybody wants to volunteer to come help with, with that, I have a few volunteers already, but if anyone wants to help volunteer for that, come see me, I will get you plugged in. We're just so glad that you're here. Y'all have a wonderful worship service. Amen. 
God truly has been faithful, which makes this song even more potent. He will hold me fast. We learned it last week. Let's stand together. This is your test. Did you know that you would be tested? This is your examination to see how well you learned or how well I taught, one way or the other. However, let's sing it together, please.
I will sing. Ready? I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love. Please be seated as Pastor Sam comes. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you here this morning. As you heard Bill share, um, God has just been moving in some incredible ways. We had uh, 21 people baptized uh, just this past week. Uh, we um, overcame the $6 million barrier for four generations to come for our new building. It's just exciting. Uh, this week, we have... I believe five uh, ladies from a Bible study, a small group that are going to be getting baptized. And another week we have summer music and arts camp. We have hundreds of kids coming to, uh, to join that. And so 
God is just on the move. And I just want to say thank you for how you are a part in partnering with us, uh, whether it's volunteering or giving of your time or your resources or praying for it, you're a part of that. And so we are so grateful that you have made that commitment to do so. And we'll just ask you to continue to pray for us. There's lots going on, obviously, in the midst of this construction. Uh, but nevertheless, God is at work. Amen. And so just thank you for your support and your generosity. Uh, if you feel led to give today, you can do so by uh, going online and doing that. There's a giving link uh, that's there behind me. Or we have uh, our giving boxes located in right in this vestibule and in the atrium that you can use um, to do that. But thank you, thank you. Will you join me in prayer over the giving uh, to this church? Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for how um, you're using this congregation in huge ways, Lord. We're so grateful that, God, we get to be a part of how you are working, whether that's praying for, serving, or giving, Lord, every opportunity that we have, Lord, we are grateful to be just included in your kingdom work. Lord, as you continue to work in these coming days, we, uh, we just know and believe and expectantly, uh, expectantly that you're going to do big things. So, Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
Good morning, church. My name is Brandon Elder. I'm the production and communications pastor here at Anastasia. Um, and in the first service, my voice was fine for about two minutes, and then it died. So luckily, I have a water here this time. But I'm sorry for having a drink in here when we're not supposed to. Start off with that. <clears throat> Today, we are continuing on our summer shorts series where we're walking through the one-chapter books of the New Testament. Um, last week, Pastor Sam was in here, and he spoke on 2 John. Today, we're going to be looking at, can you guess? What comes after second? Third John. You guys are smart. You are on it this morning. So much like second John, um, the author refers to himself as the elder. Um, it doesn't say, hey, I'm John. We assume based on lots of other things um, from study that this was John that wrote it. Um, but unlike second John, which was written to a group of people, to a lady or the elect lady and her children, third John was written to an individual. It was written to Gaius, um, who we can assume from the text was a pastor of a church. So we're going to start off today by reading all of 3 John. It's only 15 verses long. I think we can handle it. If you can do so comfortably, would you please stand with me in honor of God's word? It says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephus, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil. But imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Let's pray. Dear God, just thank you for today. <clears throat> thank you um, for, for just this whole book wrapped up into 15 small verses. I pray today that you'll give me the words to say and you give all of us the ears to hear and the hearts to do what you are calling us to do today. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So it's always good to look at what surrounds a verse that you're studying. What's, what's the context of the text? Because if you don't, you can make Basically, anything, say whatever you want if you don't look at what's happening around it. But that can be more difficult with a book like this because the context that surrounds it is Second John, which is a letter written by the same person but to a completely different group of people, and then Jude, which is a letter written by a completely different person. There's not a lot of context surrounding Third John. So instead, we're going to look at some clues of what we do see in the context of this book. And once we have the context, maybe we can figure out what God wants us to learn. So the first word that jumps out to me as I read this book is beloved. 
in these 15 short verses, John uses the word beloved four times. And at first glance, um, starting a letter this way wouldn't be that different from writing dear in our time. So like when I write Kevin an email and say, hey, dear Kevin, when can I do a solo on the piano? And he says, Brandon, you don't really play the piano. It'd be like that. But I love that, that John doesn't just say beloved. He doesn't just say dear. He continues. He goes, whom I love in truth. So this is a letter written to someone that John certainly felt a closest to, someone much closer than an acquaintance, probably someone that John spent a considerable amount of time with teaching. That is who it's written to. That's the context. So then I love the intro to this book. Um, verses 2 through 4 says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So John starts by, by giving just a wishing of good health. It's a pretty standard intro. I consistently get emails that say, I hope this email finds you in good health, whatever that might mean. But then normally it's somebody pretending to be Pastor Walter that's saying, all right, now that I know that you're in good health, can you please go buy some Amazon gift cards, scratch off the back, send me a picture of it, and that way I can do something lovely for all of our, our staff here. I've gotten so many of those. I'm the, probably the worst person on staff to send them to because I control everybody's emails. I know that it's not the right email. But anyways, um, <clears throat> just a quick aside, nobody on our staff will ever ask you to go buy gift cards for us, take a picture and send it. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, if anybody ever asks you to do that, maybe give them a call and say, hey, did you actually ask me for gift cards? This is just Brandon's email safety 101. Um, if you want to talk more about it later, I would love to talk to you about it, but we'll keep going with this now. So John wishes good health for Gaius, but not just for his physical health, for his spiritual health as well. So check on your friend's spiritual health. It's easy to check on, for the most part, it's easy to check on somebody's physical health. You don't have to do that much work. You can just kind of look at them most of the time and say, something's not right here. But you can't do that with someone's spiritual health. Someone's spiritual health, it takes work. It takes time. It takes getting to actually know and talk to them and actually paying attention to what they're saying when you do it. The verses go on to say that John rejoiced greatly when the others came and told him that Gaius is walking in the truth. John is so happy to hear that Gaius is walking in the truth, just like John taught him. And that's a, that's a feeling that I very much understand. The, the first seven years that I was on staff here at Anastasia, I worked as the youth associate, and then eventually the college and career director, and then eventually pastor. Um, and in that time, I have sent a lot of friend requests to teens and 20-something-year-olds that came through our ministry. And even now, I get such joy when their name pops up on my timeline and I see that, hey, they just got hired at a church. They're a pastor. This person is off and they're working at a, a summer camp all summer. This is so cool. And some of them are just living their lives, but they're doing it and they still love Jesus. And it brings me such joy when I see that. But I also have some former students that have probably forgotten that I follow them. And some of the things that they post do just about everything but bring me joy. 
So I get what John's saying here and says, it brings me joy knowing that you're walking in the truth, knowing that, that the time that I spent and poured into you was worth it. And it's always worth it, but it's still going. So the first thing you can write down if you're, if you're taking notes today is walk in the truth. Walk in the truth. Walk in the truth so much so that others would see what you are doing and bear witness to it. These other people, they came back and told John. He didn't, maybe didn't even ask. We don't know. He, he maybe said, hey, how's Gaius doing? I like to imagine they just came back and said, Gaius is doing so awesome. And he was so excited about it. So it says, walk in the truth. But what exactly is the truth? This isn't a few good men. I don't need someone to say, you can't handle the truth. We don't need that sort of outburst. But what is the truth? Um, if we are called to walk in the truth, then we need to understand what that means. John 14, 6, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was the truth. He fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament. So when we are trying to walk in the truth and we're trying to um, be like Jesus, we're trying to shape our lives to be like Christ. And that's what all of us who claim to be Christians should be trying to do, is be like Christ. If we're trying to be a good person, there's no better person to look at than Jesus Christ himself. Let's keep reading verses 5 through 8. It says, Beloved, it's a faithful thing that you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Here we learn that people that knew John came to visit Gaius. We don't have all the information why they came, what they were doing, only that they had gone out for the sake of the name. So they, these were most likely some traveling preachers. Whoever they were, they were strangers to Gaius, but he had shown them love. That's the next thing you can write down if you're taking notes. Show love. You want to walk in the truth and show love. This is another way to be a good person and another way that we can be like Jesus. In John 13, Jesus is with the disciples, and he's spending time with all of them for one of the last times before Judas's betrayal and Jesus' crucifixion. Verses 34 and 35 say this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus calls this a new commandment, even though the command to love was old. Leviticus 19.18 says to love your neighbor as yourself. It's that golden rule. Lots of people know it. The, the call to love was old. But with this whole, the phrasing of love your neighbor as yourself, it caused people to try to figure out, well, who do I have to label as my neighbor? I have to love my neighbor. Who is that? People ask Jesus that in the New Testament. They said, who is my neighbor then? I want to know who I can be mean to. I think we still do that. So Jesus calls us a new command because it has a new object and a new measure. It's no longer love your neighbor, who the strangers that Gaius met certainly would, would not have been his neighbor. These are strangers. Instead, he changed it to love one another. The world at that time was filled with prejudice divides. Even believers could not agree on things. Does that sound familiar at all? We are called to love 
our brothers and sisters in Christ. Love them, show love. And it doesn't stop there. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the world. He loved sinners like you and me so much that he sent his son to die for us while we were still sinners. That's a radical love. And after verse 16 is the verse that I feel like so many people like to forget about. But we're gonna look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. God did not send Jesus to bring judgment to the world. And if God didn't send Jesus to judge the world, I don't think he sent you or me to judge the world either. I don't think he sent you or me to condemn the world either. My job as a Christian is not to tell people that they are bad, that they're going to hell. My job as a Christian is to show people the love of Christ which should emanate through every part of my life, not just on Sunday mornings. I talked earlier about seeing things on social media from former students of mine from time to time. Some of you all have also sent me friend requests on social media, which means I know that some of us are not always showing love and what we're posting online and what we're talking about. Whether that's about someone we know, someone we don't know, someone that is the president of our country. I know some of us are not showing love. So there's only a few times that we're given in the Bible where we get to see where Jesus was angry or Jesus was indignant. And I think it's so interesting of what we see because each one of these times is centered around people who should know better, not people that were not believers. In Mark 3, Jesus is worshiping on the Sabbath, and a man with a shriveled hand also comes into worship. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the world, or of, of um, the Jews, are watching to see if Jesus would break the law and heal the man on the Sabbath. The religious leaders who claimed to worship God, the God who loved everyone, cared nothing about the human life that was in front of them and only cared about what the law said. And in verse five, Jesus says, or look, it says, Jesus looked at them with anger and distress in their stubborn hearts because they cared more about the law than the human life. In Mark 10, Jesus becomes indignant with his disciples as they're attempting to keep the children from coming up to him. And Jesus says, let the little children come to me. He says, I wish you had their faith. He becomes angry at his disciples for stopping them. And then another time, and probably the most well-known, is when Jesus cleanses the temple. Mark 11 tells the story of Jesus coming to the temple in Jerusalem and running out the people who were selling things and exchanging money. And the reason is clear in Mark eleven seventeen. It says, and he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The area of the temple that this happened in is called the court of the Gentiles. This is the one part of the temple that people that were not Jews were allowed to enter. This is the one part of the temple where someone like you or me could go and experience God. And the religious leaders had turned it into a market, essentially, where you could come, you could exchange your money that you needed to exchange, you could buy your offerings that you needed to go in. They took the one spot that people that were disconnected from God could go to connect to him, and they changed it for evil. 
Jesus isn't angry at people that don't know the love of God for acting like they don't know the love of God. How are we supposed to act on something we don't have? Jesus did get angry when people that should know better kept people from coming to him. People that know better kept people from experiencing that love. Even when Jesus was being nailed to a cross, he was not angry. Instead, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. So likewise, we should not hate the world for acting like the sinners that they are. We should love the world just like Jesus did and show that love. Let's get back to 3 John. Verses 9 through 12 says, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephus, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil is not, has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. John gives us some very, very simple words to live by. And if you're, if you're following along on the notes, the last thing you can write down says, do not imitate evil. Imitate good. It's so simple. Do not imitate evil. Imitate good. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's so simple, but some of us easily get caught up in this, in imitating evil. And maybe we don't even see it. Maybe we don't even notice. I am going to make a big sweeping statement I am not singling any one person or group out. I want to start off with that. <clears throat> in less than a year, we will be in the middle of a presidential election, and we will be in, begin to see just some of the absolute worst coming out of people. Now, this used to be something we only had to deal with every four years or so, but now there are stickers from the day someone gets sworn in <laughs> until the day they are out that say either they love that person or they do not. Now we have people holding signs in intersections at 312 and yelling things at people, assuming they know who someone voted for or did not vote for. And some of these people are saying and writing these four-letter words about sitting and former presidents, all while claiming to be followers of Jesus. Do not imitate evil. Imitate good. My son just finished kindergarten, um, and for a kindergartner, he's a, a pretty good reader. And that makes me really worried about how good he's going to be at reading next year. Because he already will be driving and say, hmm, if he knows the word, he reads it out. If he doesn't, he reads it out and says, what does that mean? And that's not great. So I know he is going to be asking me why there's cars driving around town, and sometimes even cars in our parking lot that have my name on a sticker on them. And sure, it sounds positive. People are telling me to go, but we know, <laughs> but we know what that means, right? 
we know what that stands for. Do not imitate evil, imitate good. Even if you're not saying the word with your mouth, your heart is still there. Do not imitate evil, imitate good. We are never going to win the world for Jesus by stooping to their level. We are never <clears throat> going to win the world for Jesus by stooping to their level. Instead, through our love that we can show them that there's another way. We can show them the way of Jesus Christ. We can show them that we are different from the world because we serve a God who is different. A God who loves each person, no matter what. No matter what they believe, no matter whose side they are on in an upcoming election. A God that loves every person and wants everyone to experience his love. Third John was written to Gaius, um, who was most likely a pastor of the church, but what John is teaching us applies to everyone. Every Christian is called to be like Jesus. And remember this, you might be the best or the only Christian that someone knows. They are looking to you. Last week, Pastor Sam spoke on 2 John. He told us to keep watch over your witness and your theology. This is why. Because other people at your work, at your gym, in your home, look at you as a spiritual leader, even if they haven't told you that. Every Christian is called to be a light to a broken and dark world. Take that seriously. Walk in truth. Show love. Do not imitate evil. Imitate good. If I do these things, I can positively impact our country, our world, for the better, and show the love of Christ as I do it. We're coming to a time of invitation. The altar is going to be open. Um, Kevin's going to come and lead a song. If you want to make a decision today to accept Jesus for the very first time, I would love to talk to you about a God that loves you so much. Maybe, maybe you want to be baptized, you want to become a member of our church. Um, we have the altar is open. We would love to help you take that next step. Maybe you just want to come and pray. The altar is open. I would love to meet you there. Let's pray. Dear God, just thank you so much for today. Thank you that you love us so, so much that you sent your son to die for us as we were sinners. <laughs> I pray that we will go out from here and we will show your love to others, that we will walk in truth in the way that people will see that we are different and that we will not imitate evil, we will imitate good, that we will be good. Thank you for all that you've given us. We ask all this in your name, amen. Stand together. As Brandon said, if, if you need prayer, if you need time just to pray, to be with, alone with the Lord, we invite you to come on down front as we sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I Grace, it was grace that taught.
the last. When we've been there. Ready? first verse of that again with that same fervor that we just sang the last. beautiful sounds to hear God's children raising their voices to him. It's part of who we are as a church, as the church. And so every opportunity we have, it's, the blessing is for me because I'm right in the middle of all of it. You may not like who you're around, but they're supposed to make a joyful noise. But when your heart is right and you know the Savior, that sound is glorious. Let's pray. Fathers, you've challenged our hearts to be introspective, to be careful, to be watchful, to be mindful of what we do, what we say, the things that we promote. We started our service with a video of setting an example and yet we hear from your word this morning that as Christians, as Christ ones, as called out ones, we are still to be an example. Maybe not locally to our families as much as we are to a lost and dying world, but we are to be an example. Father, I pray that you would take the words that we've heard that you would apply your word to our heart and challenge us this week, maybe even to make one small change or notice one small thing, but may it become an effect that makes other changes, that we can honor Christ with all of who we are. Now may the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.